Can we just raise our hands right now? Let that be our prayer. Lord, let us be aware of your presence. Could you just, could you just ask that right now? Lord, let us be more aware. More aware. Not just on Wednesday night or Sunday morning, but Lord, every single day, let us be aware. Let us be aware. Let us be aware. Let us walk in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Have you believe that the Lord feels all time and space? But there are times in our life when we are more aware than others. Right? So we should, that should be our prayer. Lord, let me be aware of you. How many of you felt like God was with you today? Was there a moment in this day that you felt like the Lord maybe spoke to you, touched you? Maybe the Lord just reminded you of his goodness. And so anybody, can anybody testify to that this tonight? I believe that God deserves a praise tonight. Amen. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you for that awareness today, Lord. We thank you for that awareness today. We thank you for that awareness. You can be seated tonight. What a message we heard Sunday. You probably heard one of the, I know it was one of the most, the best messages I've heard on baptism in a long, long time. Thank you, Pastor, for preaching to us. I believe that that message is a, is a seed. Amen? I said, I believe that message is a seed, and we're going to see even more people be baptized in Jesus' name. If you were not here Sunday, we baptized four wonderful people in the wonderful name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. I believe we should celebrate that. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name and you want to know more about that, just go back to that message and, and, uh, and hear that message. And I, I know the Lord will bless you. I want to just, before I jump in, we're continuing what we started last week. We didn't finish. I didn't want to try to finish because there was so much content there from Daniel 3. And I want to go back to that. That means you have the exact same handout. And uh, I'll do just a recap. But I, just before I start that, one of the value, one of our values, everybody say values. One of our values here at TPC is service. Everybody say service. So we have a phrase here that we use. It says serving. Say this with me. Serving is my privilege. Did you get that? Not serving is my duty. Serving is my what? Serving is my privilege. And so not only do we serve in the house, but we serve outside the house and we serve this community. So on July 15th, everybody say July 15th. We are coming together with hundreds, if not thousands, of other churches in North America for a National Serve Day. It's a Saturday. We're going to be meeting here uh, on Saturday morning at 7.30. Yes, why well, it's reasonably cool. Amen. Praise God for that. And we're going to have several projects. Thankful uh, for Sherry and Steve. Wave your hand, Sherry and Steve. They've helped us coordinate with the city of De Quincey. And we're going to be serving our community. How many of you love your community? We're going to be serving our community that, that morning. And so we want you to be involved. We've got some great things uh, planned for that day. Uh, we've got, um, they've got a, a company or a, a organization called um, Second Harvest. They're bringing a big 18-wheeler in filled with groceries and fresh food uh, for those people that need that. We're going to be helping them serve that. 
uh, and we have several other opportunities to serve around this community. And so that day we're going to be serving outside the four walls and be very visible. All right. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. So if you would like to be a part of that, if you would like to, uh, walk in that value. I believe values are something that should be very real to all of us. Uh, you can either sign up at one of the tables in the four years, or you can also text the word serve or serve day. It's one word uh, there at the bottom to 337-227-9609. And so we want to make sure that you sign up early. That way we know how many people, I believe that we can have an army of people serving this community for a few hours uh, on that Saturday morning, and we can show this community that we love it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm excited about that. If you have any questions about that, uh, you can definitely get with us after service. So if you'll open up your handout, we'll go back to um, just a short recap. We won't do this whole thing because we don't have the time to do that, but I'll fill your blanks in from what should I do when the heat is on. We talked about this through the three Hebrew children. I think most of you have this from last week, but the, the three things that are here is number one, and I won't spend long with each one of these. Number one, what should I do when the heat is on? Don't worry about defending myself. Remember we talked about that last week? Remember that? In other words, your enemies won't believe you and your friends don't need it, right? What does that mean? Let God defend you, okay? And this is the context of what we should be doing. Number two, God has the power to save me. God has the ability to save me. Number two, we talked about that. And then we talked about not only does God have the ability, if you remember at the end of the service, we talked about God, not only does God have the ability to save me, we believe that God will save us. Are you with me? Amen. Not only does God have the ability, so not only can, can God save me, but God will save me. And sometimes, I don't know if you remember what I said at the end of service last week, sometimes we're stuck between believing that God can and God will. And so we have to extend our faith and believe that not only can, can God do it, but God will do it. How many of you testify that you know God will do it? Amen. And so we talked about that uh, toward the end. And so the fourth thing, I mentioned this briefly, but this is where we're going to start. This is number four. And it's, this simply says this, I will announce my loyalty to God no matter what. I will announce my loyalty to God no matter what. So if you look at verse 18 of Daniel chapter 3, the three Hebrew children said to Nebuchadnezzar, but what? Even if God doesn't save us, what? We will not, what? Never serve, are you with me? Your gods are worship the gold statue that you have set up. Let me say that again. But even if God, what, doesn't save us, we will not, what, serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. This is a very courageous faith-filled statement. What are these three Hebrew children saying? They are announcing their loyalty to God no matter what. We know that he can save us. We believe that he will save us. But if he doesn't save us, we're telling you right now, even before we go into this furnace, we're still not changing our mind. We are not worshiping the gods of this world. 
Why is that important? That is important because we should have that realization every single day that we wake up that we are not going to bow to the things of this world and to the things of this culture, right? So how does God work in our life when, when we have problems, when we encounter these crises, when we encounter these fiery trials where we're using this, this concept, this idea of a fiery trial as a crisis? When God delivers us, there are three ways. And this is not in your notes. I wish I'd put it in your notes, but you might want to write it down. Number one, when you're in a problem, sometimes God saves us from the crisis. Everybody say, from the crisis. In other words, sometimes God allows us to take a divine detour and we never wind up in the middle of the fiery trial. They could have been marked for execution. The king is convinced, but God says, nope, it's not going to happen that way. How many of you are thankful that God moves that way? You believe that still? You still believe that God ha- helps us that way? The second thing, though, sometimes God saves us through the crisis. Are you with me? So sometimes God saves us from the crisis, but sometimes God saves us through the crisis. In other words, we walk through the fire furnace. He doesn't take away from the problem or he doesn't take the problem away from us. He takes us what? Through the problem. And he gives us the strength and the ability and the faith and the belief uh, to handle and walk through that problem. He doesn't remove us from the problem, but he gives us the strength to handle it. How many of you You've prayed for God to take you out of something, but God still allowed you to remain in it. Anybody? I said, you pray for God to take you out of it, but God still allowed you to remain in it. We're going to talk about why God still allows us to remain in it. Why? Because God sometimes displays his power in different ways. And he shows us things about himself and about ourselves when we allow him to take us through the crisis. The third thing is this. Sometimes God saves us by the crisis. Sometimes God saves us by the crosses. So sometimes God saves us from the crisis. Sometimes God saves us through the crisis. And sometimes God saves us by the crisis. What I mean is that sometimes the problem in your life is not really the problem. The problem is what's saving you from the problem. Because there's another problem that is greater than that problem, and God is using the smaller problem to save you from the greater problem. All right. All right. Some of you are going to get a hold of this here in a minute. When I was, uh, when I was very young, uh, just out of high school, my grandfather, uh, uh, he fell off of a set of steps, not very higher than much higher than this platform, and I was right there with him. I, I was, I didn't have the ability because I was a few feet away from him. I didn't have the ability to catch him. And, and after he fell, he, he dislocated his shoulder. He broke his arm very high, uh, there. And I was very distraught, right? Because I thought that I could have caught him, right? And saved him from falling off the step. So he went to the hospital and they did x-rays and everything like that. And then in the middle of them doing x-rays and doing setting his arm and the sockets and everything like that, they found out that he had cancer. And so we would have, he would have never known that he had cancer if he had not broken his arm. Are you with me? 
Now, I'm not saying that's how God works all the time, but sometimes God allows us to have a smaller problem to detour us as a warning sign and to get our attention because there's a bigger problem that we should not be messing with. Amen. First Peter 1, 6 through 7 says, it may be necessary for you to be sad for a while because of the many trials that you suffer. In other words, God hasn't pulled you out of the problem that you are going through. Sometimes it is necessary for me to go through the problem. And sometimes it is necessary for God to save me in the problem. Peter says the purpose of this, the purpose of the trials uh, that I'm going through is to prove that your faith is what? Genuine. Everybody say genuine. Even gold, which can be destroyed, is tested by fire, purified by fire. So is your faith, which is much more precious than gold, must also be tested so that it may endure. Then you will receive praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. It says that we are going to be rewarded for the fact that our faith proves to be trustworthy. Remember what we talked about in week one. Our faith can't be trusted until it's tested. Uh, I wish I had some help right now. Let me say that again. Our faith can't be trusted until it's tested. You want to know how your faith gets strengthened? It gets tested. Why is this? Because God allows me. Why does God allow me to go? Do you think that God allows us to go through pain because God just wants to see us in pain? No. No. Because God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not heaven. The earth that you're living in is not the utopia of eternity. This is not the place of perfection. Heaven is a place of no sorrow, no sadness, no sickness. And it's coming into uh, when we step into eternity. But right now, we're in preschool. This is kindergarten. Getting us ready, what? For this understanding that there is an eternity. And we're learning some things. And God wants us to learn some things. If life were incredibly easy all the time, and we had no conflict, and we had no problems, and we had no resistance, guess what? We would not learn anything. But God is much more interested in your salvation, and he's much more interested in our sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is me becoming more like Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And you know, you've heard, you've seen, maybe that's you, that people who have been headed in the exact opposite way of God, but something in their life happens in their life, uh, and that problem turns them around and doesn't just turn them around in their life, but turns them around in eternity. Did God cause the problem? No, he didn't cause the problem, but he can use the problem. Does God cause the pain? No, he doesn't cause the pain. Uh, This world causes the pain. Uh, Living in this broken life and the humanity of this world causes the pain, but God does not waste the pain if we will not let it be wasted. He will use it for our good and for his glory. Amen? So we have to stop. 
stop in the middle of whatever we're going through, whatever fiery trial or temptation or circumstance. And it's just like Pastor said, when we pass it one time, we don't have to pass it again. But let me tell you something. If you keep going through the same thing over and over and over, there's a reason you haven't passed it the first time. So sometimes you got to step back and get real honest with God and say, God, I don't know what you're trying to teach me right now, but I want to make sure that I pass it this time. Maybe I'm the only one. No, but I'm not. These guys had given a direct challenge to Nebuchadnezzar, his claim to be God. Everybody else was going to worship him. He declared himself the God of the world by setting up this idol and and demanding that everyone you got to understand if you understand anything about ancient history the babylonians controlled the entire known world at this time they were the most powerful force in the entire world and nebuchadnezzar just like other pagan kings even all the way to the romans set themselves up as lords and gods but they would not bow why they had made up in their mind uh, from the very beginning no matter where you do with us how you put us uh, where you take us what you do with us we will not bow to you and what happened it made nebuchadnezzar angry i love the translation it said it literally made his face distort with rage commanded the furnace This is almost funny. Be heated seven times hotter like it wasn't hot enough. Why was he doing this? Why? Because he was doing this because he was angry at their resistance. Just a side note for the reality of the world that we live in. When someone obviously overreacts to you, your beliefs and your faith. When they come unglued, when they go into a rage and they hear that you're a believer, you need to realize that the more extreme your attack, the more insecure your attacker. That's right. The more insecure a person is, the more over the top that they will become with their anger and their rage. People who are secure in what they believe and who they are aren't secure about what you believe and who you are. I know what I believe, so we have to take this. Let me, let me tell you, I know it's Wednesday night and, and everybody's hot and tired, but just, just please bear with me just for a second. We better understand what we believe. This world is filled, and you say, well, David, I've been living for God for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Let me tell you something. This world is filled with so much pressure, and the enemy is so devious, he will attack your belief until it comes undone at the edges, and he will not stop. The enemy will not stop coming after what you belief amen if the enemy could get you to backslide at 80 it's just as much a trophy to him as if you were lost at 20 it's the truth when people have interior doubts then they're fighting with their own guilt and they're fighting with their own conscience and they're fighting with their own past they often take it out on us so you need to understand that that anger against your faith is really not about you it's about what's on the inside of them it's what's going on on the inside of them and so this is what's being displayed in Nebuchadnezzar's life if you look at verse 20 of Daniel 3 the de- then the king ordered some of his strongest soldiers to bind their hands and their feet with ropes. 
In other words, it, it's, it's, it's even more what? Overkill. They're fixing to go into a fiery furnace. But now Nebuchadnezzar says, not only are you going to go into a fiery furnace, but I want you to be bound up, your hands and feet as well. And I throw them into the blazing furnace. And so they tied them up, the Bible says, and they threw them into the furnace fully clothed. But because of the king and his anger had demanded such a hot fire, the flames leapt out and killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. But securely tied up, these three men fell down into the blazing flames of furnace. How many of you, I, 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 I just have to think in my mind that it would be very hard for you and your humanity if you had your hands, your wrists, and your feet all tied up and secure for you to get back up on your feet and start walking around again. Are you with me? But the story shows us that there are great benefits. Are you with me? That there are great benefits when we put our trust in God and not our own efforts and our own self. The story shows us, number one, and this is in your notes. When I'm going through the fire, I must know that God will always, always walk through the fire with me. I am never alone. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm never alone. God's presence will be with you over and over and over. God has promised his presence no matter what you go through and what I go through. If we will trust him, he says, I will be with you. And so they throw them into the fiery furnace and suddenly Nebuchadnezzar, says he jumps up off of his throne in amazement and he says to his advisors didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace yes we did now look now he says i can see four men now and not only can i see four men now but i see four men walking around freely in the fire unharmed and the fourth man Listen to the declaration of a heathen king. The fourth man looks like a son of the gods. This is not just a casual phrase. He said that he looked like someone who was not human. He looks divine. There's three men tied up and the fourth is walking with them through the fire and they're free from all of their restraints and they're walking around without anything being burned to them. That fourth man looks different than the other three. You want to know why he was different than the other three? You want to know why he looked different than just a regular person walking around in that fire? He wasn't just a son of the gods, uh, he was the son of God. I said he was the son of God. He was Jesus Christ walking through the fire with them. This is why we can hold on to the promise where Jesus himself says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Has God proved himself to be a liar in your life? I say no. So if he says he has never left me, he has has never forsaken me. I'm still holding on to the promise even in the middle of my fiery trial. 
Jesus said, I will always be with you uh, even to the very end of the age. Uh, I will never turn my back on you. Uh, we're talking about a God uh, who is going to go with you through the middle uh, of the circumstance. Uh, sometimes God doesn't take us out. Uh, sometimes he allows us to go through. Uh, just like we talked about in Isaiah 43, uh, when you go through deep waters uh, and great trouble, uh, I will be with you. Uh, when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you don't have to drown I'm going to hold your head above the water when you walk through the fire of trial and oppression doubt and fear do not fear the fire may be hot but it can't destroy you why? it can't consume you why? because I am with you not if but when I said, not if, but when. How many of you are going through a trial right now? Raise your hand. Come on, be bold in your faith or your declaration. I'm going through something right now. This is your promise tonight. I preached it last week. I guess I'm going to preach it again again tonight because we need to be reminded of it. God says, I will never leave you. There's days that I feel like I'm drowning. I said, there's days that I feel like I'm drowning. There's days that I feel like this life is going to overwhelm me and take me down and take me under. But in the whisper of a name, the name of Jesus, just the cry of that name just a cry of God's who am I preaching to right now whatever you do don't lose hope why you've got a promise you've got a promise you've got a promise God cannot turn his back on you it doesn't feel like that David it feels like it hurts it feels like there's a lot of pain God didn't promise us that, that would we be exempt from the things of this life. God didn't promise us that we would be exempt from the pain of this life, from the, the hurt of this life. All he did was I'll be with you through it. And the second thing you got to understand, not only will he be with you through it, but God's going to burn off everything tying you down. <laughs> I said, God's going to burn off everything tying you down. Notice in the fire, they didn't get burned. Their clothes weren't singed. They didn't even smell like fire. When I grow, go out and grill a hamburger or a hot dog, I smell like smoke the rest of the night. But these three Hebrew children didn't even, they came out not even smelling like they had been in the fire. But everything that had tried to keep them bound, every, listen to me very carefully, by the word of the Lord, everything that had tried to destroy them. I said everything that had tried to destroy them and keep them captive to the things of their past it was burnt off the stuff that was tying you down the stuff that's holding you back the limitations in your life the addiction in your life the pain in your life whatever you going into the fire when you come out on the other side of it the word says it's coming off of you You have to understand that pain never leaves you where it finds you. Let me say that again. Pain never leaves you where it finds you. It always transports you. 
It never leaves you in one place. It always takes you and drops you off in another place. Why? Because you're not the same woman and you're not the same man that you were when you went into the fire. Why? Because your character has been tested. Your character has been refined. Be very careful, ladies and gentlemen and young Christians and even older Christians that may not know. Be very careful when you pray prayers like, Lord, make me more like you. Because God refines us through our fiery trials. Before the trial, before the fire, you were immature. Now you're coming out on the other side of this in a, in a place of maturity. Before you went into the trial and into the fire, you didn't trust God at all. You were full of doubt and fear. But now that you've seen God walk with you through the fire, now you can have the full confidence. Oh, who am I preaching to on a Wednesday night that you've already seen God deliver you once? I said, who am I preaching to tonight where you've already seen God deliver you once? Who can I get a hand? waver and amen from uh, where you've already seen God transport you uh, through one trial uh, after another trial uh, so I can testify to you tonight uh, that if you're in the middle of another trial uh, you're going to come out uh, on the other side of it God will burn off all the stuff that's holding you back let me say that again. Sometimes God allows us to go through fiery things to burn off all the stuff that's holding us back. What could that be? That could be past ways of thinking. Old traditional mindsets. Religious ideas. God consumes it and burns it away. Also know this. A really hot fire can also cauterize a wound. You've seen it in westerns. You've seen it in movies where they take a hot fire or a hot stick or a hot poker and they lay that on that wound. Maybe they put a little gunpowder on there. And you, and you look at that and they put that hot heat on that wound because they don't have time or they don't have a place to go to a doctor. But what does it do? It stops the bleeding. Sometimes in my life, sometimes in our life, God has to use the pain in our life with a little fire and a little heat and a little trial to stop the bleeding in our life. Isaiah 48.10 says, I have refined you, but not in the way that silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. You're not going to go through a fiery furnace literally in your life. You're going to go through the furnace of suffering many times over. Why? Because God is refining you. Everybody say, refining me. Look at your neighbor and say, God is refining you, neighbor. Something you have to know about silver and gold they heat up to such a level of temperature that the person who is trying to refine that silver and gold, the reason that they're trying to heat that up is what are they trying to do? They're trying to draw out the impurities in that metal. They put it at a very high temperature. And here's something very interesting about gold. Gold can be heated to such a high temperature, but it cannot catch on fire. So you can have fire around you, but fire can't kill you. I wish I had time to preach that. I said, you can have fire around you, but, uh, but fire can't kill you. What's the, what's the difference between 100% pure gold or 100% pure silver and something it's not? The silversmith or the goldsmith, how do you know that it's pure? How can you look at it and know that it's pure? When they can take that gold or silver out and they can see their reflection in it. How do you know that your motives are pure? When you can put your motives in front of it and say, do I see Jesus or do I see myself? Oh, that's good, oh, that's good preaching right there. 
How do you know that your motive is pure? How do you know that your heart is pure? Do you see yourself or do you see Christ? Because that's what God is doing as he refines us. He is making us what? More and more and more and more like Jesus. And when God knows that we've been purified by the fire, he can see his reflection in us. And we look like Jesus. And it is the fire Hear me very carefully. It is what you went through that produced it. And it burnt off all the stuff that was holding you back. Number three, God will give me a new freedom. People in the world, whatever they meant to enslave you with, or whatever meant people meant to entrap you with or destroy you with, God wants to use that very problem in your life to liberate you. To set you free. Hear me very carefully. God wants to set you free from the expectations of unhealthy people in your life. God wants to set you free from the opinions of other people, including religious people. God wants to set you free from all the other things that are holding you back and tying you down. Psalm 66 and 12. The psalmist says, to God, you let our captors set foot on our neck. He's talking about them being enslaved in Egypt. But he goes on. Then we went through fire and water and you let us out into freedom. So what is he saying? If you circle that or underline that word freedom there, God wants you to be free. And you know the truth and the truth is going to do what? It's going to set you free. But remember, sometimes in that freedom, there's a cost. There's a cost. The fourth thing that God wants to do is God will make sure that I come out on the other side unharmed. If I trust God, this is if I trust God, God will make sure I come out unharmed. Even before Nebuchadnezzar thought of the dumb idea of making a statue, God already had a plan and knew what was going to happen. God had already planned the outcome. He already knew before Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel even went into exile. He knew that these men would not be afraid. Verse 26 of Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. And he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Well, he changed his tune, didn't he? All of a sudden, a pagan king who just propped himself up with an idol to become God, is now declaring there's a most high God. Come out! Come out at once. And so these three men stepped out of the fire. I often wonder why Nebuchadnezzar didn't invite the fourth guy. That's just a side joke. Then the princes and the perfects and the governors and the advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not even touched them. Not a hair on their head had been singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They did not even smell of smoke. Not only were these guys unshakable, but they were unbakable. You weren't expecting that. They were unshakable, unbreakable, and unbakable. Some of you are not getting that, but it's okay. Ask your neighbor. They were hooked by the king, but they could not be cooked by the king. Dun, dun, dun. I'll be here all week. Praise God. <laughs> Why? God made sure that his plan was going to be fulfilled. And here, here's this. Here, this is not the most important one, but this is, this is very important. And it's not the last one, but this is very important. Many times, hear me very carefully, because this is going to help somebody tonight. 
Many times, number five is this. It will bring other people to God. Okay? Now hear me what I'm about to tell you. Many times what you're going through is not about you. Oh, you got to get a hold of this. Many times the trial that you're going through is not about you. It's about people around you that need to see the God in you. Oh, that's good right there. Let me say that again. It's not about you. The trial's not about you. It's about people in your family, in your life, in your workplace, in your community, in your church that know that you're going through something and they need to see how you respond to what you're going through and they need to see that you trust the God that's on the inside of you and you trust the God that you declare you worship. Because it's easy to come in here on Sunday morning and worst team and the band's in here and they're playing and they're worshiping and man, we feeling good and we're jiving, but it's a lot more difficult to live that worship out on Tuesday afternoon when your boss is screaming at you and everybody in the office is looking at you. That's real life living right there. So if we respond correctly in our faith, how you handle pain and how much you trust God when you're in the pain and when you're under pressure, when the heat is on in your life will probably be the most powerful witness and powerful testimony you have in your life. Why? Because more people can identify with you through your struggle than they ever can with your victory. Daniel 3.28, then the king says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was a conversion. There was a conversion who sent his angel to rescue his servants. They trusted in him. Here, here, what did they say? Because they did what? They, say it with me, they trusted in him. If the Lord tarries and they have our funeral, will they be able to stand over us and say they trusted in God? There is no greater epitaph in your faith life in the fact that you trusted in God. Nebuchadnezzar looked at them and knew that they defied his command. They knew that he had defied everything that he stood for. They knew that he, they were willing to die than serve or worship any God except their own God. So the question to us tonight here at the end of this Bible is this, what are we willing to die for? Because if we don't find out what we're willing to die for, we will never really live Because you're just existing until you find something worth dying for. There are some things in your life, ladies and gentlemen, that are worth dying for. Have we figured that out yet? And Because if you aren't living down here at this level of life, rather up here at the highest level of life, you are existing. And Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. And what? Have it more abundantly. It's interesting to me, and I'm closing. In botany, there are seeds that only sprout. I don't know if you noticed this or not. I didn't know this till studying for this. There are only seeds that sprout after a forest fire. There are lots of plants like this, trees and plants. The jack pine cone tree, which you don't know probably very well. It's all over New England. 
in North America. The jack pine cones have seeds inside the cones. But there's a rosin inside the cone that makes that cone so tight that the seed can never get out of itself. It never can get out of its cone. And the only way that it can get out of the cone and into the ground to sprout, the only way it can do that is if there's a forest fire hot enough to melt the rosin off the pine cone. The seed drops out. It germinates. And a whole new generation of jack pine trees grow. And they only grow after they've been through the fire. Hear me very carefully, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to leave you with this as the musicians come. Some of the greatest things in your life are only going to happen after you come through the fire. Thirteen years ago yesterday, pastor preached a message your pastor, my pastor, pastor Neil, preached a message in Houston, Texas. Still have this statement from 13 years ago. And you've heard him say it here. Don't despise the object of your transformation. Whatever God's allowing you to go through, I don't know what it is. Whatever trial, whatever situation, whatever circumstance... If you'll just say, Lord, I trust you. I can't see the end of it. I don't understand it. I don't know where we're going. Anybody there? If you're there, just stand on your feet right now. I'm with you. I'm saying my hand. I'm lifting my hand too. I want to talk to somebody that's going through a trial right now. A serious trial. In fact, I want to pray for you. If you're just like last week, I'm going to pray for the same thing. If you're going through a serious trial and you need God to move, I want you to walk to the front of this building right now. Come on. A serious, you've got to have God to move. Come on. If the prayer team can come and help us, those with faith can come and help us. This is all the word that I have. When you come out on the other side of it, God's going to produce something in you and your situation that you could never imagine. God's going to birth something in you and out of you and out of this situation that is going to be so supernatural. We're going to look back on it and say, only God could do that. How many of you faith-filled believer in this room right now? If you have faith that God can do that, could you just point your hands toward the front of this building? And let's pray for these that said, I'm going through a trial that only God can deliver me from. Right now, right now, right now, right now. Faith-filled believers in this room right now. I'm coming out of the other side of this. I may not know what that looks like, but I'm coming out of the other side of this. And God, you're birthing something in me. You're creating something in me that I can't even imagine. You're taking me from one place to another, and I may not look the same, but when I come out of this, God, you're going to get the glory, and we're going to stand in awe of your goodness. We're going to stand in awe of how you brought us through this. Come on, somebody believe that right now. Somebody believe that in the front of this room right now. I'm believing that right now. I'm believing that right now. Health, sickness, disease, circumstance, finances, relationships, 
marriage, job, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, God, when I come out on the other side of this, I'm going to look different. You're giving birth to something in somebody's life tonight, God, right now. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you as I walk through it. You've never let me down so far, Lord. I'm going to trust you as I walk through it. I'm going to trust you as I walk through it, Lord. Pray for that person standing next to you right now. I believe God wants to encourage somebody right now. I believe God wants to encourage somebody right now. I believe the spirit of encouragement is loose in this house right now. We loose encouragement, Lord, right now on this Wednesday night. I'm coming out of this different than I walked in, God. I'm coming out free from the things that bound me, free from my past, free from what I thought could happen and could be. My trust is in you, Lord.